start the podcast. I, I was hoping you'd say <laughs> that because I was... We should make it a thing. The podcast has started, gentlemen. We are live on episode number 69 of Berry Flow Upstream. Here with our regular cast, we've got Alex Bass of Cyberbytes Inc. How you doing, Alex? What's up, what's up? Pretty good, pretty good. You know, same old. Good to, good to have you on. You know, how, how everything is kind of set up in the background there, it almost looks like Brian's wearing a tie, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we have Brandon Orr here as well, one of the infamous BlackBerry 10 developers. Uh, we're going to see what he does with his future development efforts, but how you doing, Brandon? Pretty good. Can't complain. Yep. Yeah, at, uh, first, at first watch, I thought that was a tire behind you. It's a no, it's a clock. <laughs> it's a big clock. Right? Yep. That's like Flavor Flav style. <laughs> <laughs> and as well, we have Ronell. How you doing, buddy? Good. Long time no see. All right. Great to have you back on. Keep the uh, ethnic diversity strong on the upstream. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> Are you, you? We'll get into a little bit of a further discussion on how you've been, man. So we have a strong Canadian representation here tonight with our final guest on how you doing, Blaze, editor in chief over at CrackBerry.com. I'm stuck with turkey. <laughs> because it's saying it's Canadian Thanksgiving here, so I'm stuffed with turkey and I just want to have a nap. Yeah, I, I got to apologize for the delay earlier. I'm I'm feeling awful. That's why you won't see my face tonight. You don't want to see it. You just don't. Kind of looks like Alex's face, just awful. So I'll spare oh. you guys from that. <laughs> but it's good to have you guys on. This week has been kind of interesting. It's kind of been up and down, left right. So we'll kind of we'll just jump into the meat of it here. Earlier in the week, we had this SecuSmart and Tata Power SED announce a wide range of cooperation for the Indian market. I found this really, really interesting as a move from BlackBerry. If we go into the news itself, it's basically SecuSmart working with the Indian government and also kind of like working with some of the German government as well to create an initiative for a wide ranging secure communication platform for the government. Really, really cool stuff, and it's cool that BlackBerry's kind of found a place through SecuSmart to deliver on kind of an end-to-end -end secure platform. What do you guys think about a move like this? Do you think it has like a potential to grow and create more value for BlackBerry, or is it kind of like a one-off kind of PR nonsense type thing that won't have a lot of weight in the future? It's in line with what we've been seeing from them for the past almost a year now. Um, this new focus on, well, they've always been focused on security, but this new focus on um, their other businesses outside of the mobile space. And it's just, it's one of those things that to me personally, it's not something that's flashy, but it's something that's going to be really impactful um, in the coming years. As I know we talk about this ad nauseum, but with IoT, machine-to-machine uh, -machine communication, it's really important for um, especially public utility companies to have the proper security in place to ensure that you know people can communicate effectively and to kind of prevent against you know hacking and a whole bunch of other stuff that could have wide-ranging effects on people. So it's a good move. It's interesting reading through. It, there's a memorandum of understanding, and it was signed during the German Chancellor's official trip to India, which kind of underlined the importance of overall the partnership between the two. So again, really kind of interesting how. BlackBerry, it seems that, and even John Chen has kind of mirrored this in some of his talks, where it, it really seems that in the security conversation that's happening globally, 
BlackBerry is looking to play and have influence so that they can guide some of these platforms of secure communication in the future. And even with their acquisitions, we see that very prevalent in, in what they do. So I thought this was intensely interesting and really kind of outside of the scope of what we normally hear from BlackBerry in terms of like, you know, the basics, so like what we see on Inside BlackBerry and the blogs. So I thought it was really cool that they went out ahead and promoted this. And again, we're seeing SecuSmart still with that value add that they continue to bring. So really, really cool. I, I wish it was more widespread at this point. I know it does take some kind of carrier cooperation as well to be able to deliver the overall service. So maybe we'll see more in terms of the Indian carriers and some further integration of the overall platform with the Secu Suite for BlackBerry 10 and, you know, and the likes. Really, really cool stuff. You guys have anything else you wanted to say on it? Or should we uh, get into the meat of this conversation tonight? I like meat and potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I really feel I really feel bad. Like Blaze has the itis right now. Like the fact that he's on it all right now. I know, right? <laughs> the turkey's putting him down. <laughs> so Ronell, I wanted to ask this question to you, man. Because yeah. you know, you've got a, such an experience with dealing with both the customer side and both the kind of like tier one tech support side of, of Blackberry with Priv coming to a head here. In the like in a sales environment, do you really think that these carrier sales representatives or even you know the support teams on the sales floor are going to be able to push this device easier than a BlackBerry can? It's almost like a, I'm trying to frame the question here for you. It's like like BlackBerry 10 is so unique that it's almost very easy for someone who's knowledgeable to speak about it, right? Because it's so differentiated. But with it being an Android device, it's almost homogenous, right? Where it's it's a lot of stuff people already know or people already expect. So from a sales perspective, do you think it's going to be easier or harder for Priv to kind of get that footing in the carrier sales space? Um, you know what? It's going to be a lot harder. Um, if you look at separate BlackBerry 10, they had their own marketing scheme for it. Like, I don't know what their new marketing scheme is for the Priv, but if since it's not BlackBerry 10, it's Android operating system, you know, you don't have the flow anymore. You don't have these certain features which they use to uh, market it, uh, BlackBerry 10 to consumers. So, besides the keyboard and the secure Android operating system with apps, what else are they going to be putting forward as a value proposition for customers to say, oh, yeah, you should buy this phone because it separates us from the rest of the Android phones out there? It's it's hard to say, but it's going to be a challenge. I mean, BlackBerry's going to have to put a little bit of money into making sure that they get the message out and they get the message out properly. So with the right amount of spending and the marketing and training, I think it's doable, but it'll be a little bit harder than BlackBerry 10 for sure. Do you think that, like, the Android operating system, though, having Android in the end will actually, like, help the proposition? I mean, yeah, you focus on, on you know, how do you differentiate yourself from other Android devices, but... Honestly, I think having a BlackBerry just running Android alone is enough to go ahead and convince some people at that point, you know. Because when you look at when you look at the actual hardware, the hardware looks pretty much like any other BlackBerry hardware uh, when it comes down to it. And and as we know, and we we've all mentioned before, hardware hasn't necessarily take a drink <laughs> hasn't been a problem for BlackBerry in the past. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, having that Android operating system—that's that's part of the part of the the thing that held 
a lot of customers or potential customers back from actually picking up a BlackBerry is because of the fact that it ran BlackBerry 10 and then didn't have the apps. I think it's a, a little bit more of an easier, easier sell to basically say, yeah, this is a BlackBerry that actually runs Android, and uh, you know maybe 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 you don't necessarily need to have that much of a hard sell in terms of differentiation when it comes to other Android devices to be able to go ahead and get people interested in Priv. I'm not saying that they you know they don't need a good marketing plan or anything like that. I'm just saying how do you, how do you guys feel in terms of maybe Android alone being enough to get people to actually go ahead and check it out? That's tough. That's real tough. I, I really feel like it's so dominated by like Samsung. Yeah. Like when, you, when anyone says Android, like that's the thing they, they envision in their mind. So to break people away from that, like BlackBerry's hardware will definitely help. But you know, it's it's kind of comes down to the same thing. Obviously, we need a good marketing. But even beyond good marketing, we need marketing. Period, and that's something that's <laughs> seriously lacking. Like little on good marketing, like any marketing. So I, I hope the carriers kind of like get together and can. Not with each other, but getting together with BlackBerry and can really like sing the song, right? Because we know what the song is. We, we're BlackBerry people. We know what it's about. But I think it, it really it needs to be communicated. And as Ronell mentioned, it needs to be communicated well. And and I, I fear I fear that prospect. Yeah, because that message, you know, as we've addressed many times already, it hasn't uh, hasn't really been clear and straightforward thus far. So. Even like the priv spiel from from Chen, like where priv, you know, privacy, where your privacy is your privilege or privileges. It, it's like it's kind of like weird and backwards as is. So I can only imagine what we're actually going to see in terms of uh, if it's anything like the BlackBerry like homepage. I'm done. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> there's there's one thing actually. It's like as as I'm quickly going to say. Um, besides marketing is. I don't know. Is any companies out there saying they're gonna officially support it with their like their best ten? Because like I know corporations like one that I'm included in, they they don't support Android. So when the PIV comes out, are are they gonna be able to say, yeah, we you can buy this Android device and it'll run on our on best ten fine? Like, or does it have to be some approval process before they're able to even buy it? Well, that's that's part of the process as well. Like, we don't know who's going to automatically go ahead and pick up a priv and you know make it part of their ecosystem and put it on a bez. But you know, at the same time, that's that's one thing that John Chen wanted to go ahead and cover. He's hoping he's hoping to basically raise the security within Android high enough so that it's not even it's not even a concern anymore. Like, people don't have to worry about Android being on their bez or being on their on their platform so that you know they have a choice at that point in time they don't they don't have to independently choose blackberry 10 just to be 100% secure they can choose an android device or an ios device as long as as long as as long as they they're running it on a bez they want uh, they want want any device to be applicable they want john 10 basically wants to make money off of any device that is out there for blackberry so Hopefully. He's such a great CEO, but at the same point, like, quote Batman, but he's like, not the CEO we want, but the one we need, you know? Like, I hate <laughs> that. But I, I wish we had, because the problem I, I see with, like, the strategy 
going forward is the device makes sense from a business and like logistics and like a cost efficiency and operations perspective. But from a commercial perspective, like a commercially available device, it doesn't make sense. Like there's no cohesive marketing, like go-to market strategy that I see as of yet. And, and maybe they're keeping that under wraps and there is a cohesive kind of push that will come with this device. But really, as we've talked about in some previous options, there's so much hype around the device already. Like it already is taking over, you know, Android subreddits and things like that. So is that momentum going to be enough to get people into the store? It just seems like Chen is kind of glib when he talks about the device. And when we talk about Recode, we'll definitely get into a little bit of that. But I want to hear from Alex and uh, and Brandon on this. Do you guys think this thing is going to be commercially viable? Like, do you think consumers are actually going to go and pick it up? Or do you really think it's going to be one of those hard-pressed sells for the enterprise? And, and right off of Ronald's point, my father is in an enterprise where they use AirWatch. He wanted to bring his passport. They're like, nope, we don't even support BlackBerry. We could we could make an we can make an Android work for you, but yeah, no no Blackberries. So it's like it's really really hard. Does the Android you know help that to that end as well? You know, Alex, Brandon, what are some of your thoughts on it? You know, like I I think they're it's it's going to be difficult. Um, I have a business partner who's very much so looking forward to the priv for his company, but he's been a Blackberry user, so. Do I know anyone currently on Android that will switch over to the Priv? Um, well, one of my friends, actually, he was on BlackBerry 10, then he went to Android. He's on a Samsung Galaxy now. He's going to buy the Priv the day it comes out because he's kind of at that position where he does love BlackBerry 10, um, but he does want the apps. So I, I think that people who maybe tried out BlackBerry 10 and they left due to apps, I think they might be someone who will, you know, check this out and consider buying it. Um, as for enterprise, it's that's like totally they're going to have to be sold on it. They're going to have to be told that it even exists. Um, and I, I wonder if people will even think like, you know, IT support. If you say, well, I have a BlackBerry Priv, they're going to be like, oh, you can't, we can't set that up here. But it's like, no, 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 it's running Android. Like, do we need these people to explain to the IT support like this is an Android device? Or once they hear BlackBerry, will they immediately be like, oh, we don't support that? Um, I think there's going to be a lot of confusion going on, at least in enterprise in that regard. Um, man, I, I don't know. I, Brandon, do you have any? Yeah, definitely, anything? man. Definitely. Like, that, that last point is definitely what's going to happen. Like, I can just tell. Like, at my IT department where I work, like, half the time I, like, ask them for stuff, um, and they, like, have no clue it even exists. And then, like, when I show it to them, they're like, oh, yeah, I guess it works. So, like, I, I can totally see people being like, how do I set up my BlackBerry? And they'll just blanket, like a blanket statement, just say, oh, we don't support BlackBerry. Uh, and then it'll, the onus will kind of be on the uh, the user to kind of say, well, it runs Android, does it work then? And then depending on, you know, the IT department, whether they're willing to be like, okay, well, if it runs Android, maybe it can work, we can try it out. And then if it works, they could just be like, okay, yeah, we support um, Android Blackberries from now on. But I mean, it's just one of those things that's, in terms of an existing implementation for security at, at Enterprise, it's going to be one of those things that's just difficult to get the IT behind. Um, for companies that have BES installed already, it's a, a given that it's going to be a non-issue, right? Um, I think ultimately, even aside um, this type of stuff, 
what's really going to make or break the device is really going to be the price. Um, you've got BlackBerry competing on a on a wider stage now. They don't have that BlackBerry 10 OS. They're competing with Android, and they really got to step up to the plate in terms of pricing when they come into the Android sphere because, as James, you mentioned, there's AirWatch who has Android support. So all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we have a super secure Android device. People on AirWatch are going to be like, why do I care? I can get my Android on my company secured through AirWatch. So why do I need to buy a BlackBerry Android that's worth potentially like $700 versus my $450 uh, Nexus or whatever, right? So I think pricing is really going to be what, make or break, what makes or breaks this device. It's it really just is a confusing device, and and we all get it. Like I don't want to say that you know we don't understand it, but just from like a, a general user, it's almost like one of those devices where it's almost like a, a trick. It's like is it a consumer device? Like if I look at it, it kind of is. You know, it has the keyboard, it has the front facing speaker, it's got the curved screen. It's just like a lot of it hasn't been pieced together, and I really hope there is some kind of cohesive unveiling of, of what and why, like the why, why behind it, like of all the devices you could have built, why this, why now, why Android, and, and I really hope they can they can get that message across to people, because John Chen at this point unfortunately has not, at least for me. I, I get a little bit of the privacy privilege feel, but beside that it's a little bit lost on me. I, I really hope they, they can bring it together. And we're seeing a lot of cool features. In some of the latest leaks that were posted over on CrackBerry, we saw photos of BlackBerry Safeguard and con confirmation of 4K video. So, I mean, this thing's going to be powerful. I, I don't want to say this device is a slouch by any means. But, again, does an enterprise user need 4K video? <laughs> Not really. So it's like, who are you selling this to? You know, it's like, what are you doing? BlackBerry Safeguard looks awesome. I mean, there's developer options, control over applications, lock screens, trusted applications in sight, data encryption, and basically, it's going to give you a speed gauge of where you are at in terms of your, your overall device's security. So that looks pretty cool, right? But again, is that something that might be overbearing for a general consumer? Like, all these security safeguards and layers might become a little bit, you know, obfuscated in the overall uh, UI of the device. So I really hope they've done a smart job of implementing it. But what do you guys think of like BlackBerry Safeguard and, and obviously the uh, 4K video and 64-bit support? Do you think all that is going to matter long term, or are those kind of table stakes for a high-end Android device these days? I don't know. Those are kind of table stakes for pretty much any high-end Android device. You got to have that stuff out there. Um, you know whether or not it's going to help BlackBerry sell the Priv. I, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt to have it there. That's for damn sure. Um, you know it, the majority of people would say that BlackBerry has, has sort of lagged behind when it comes to specs. Even though the Passport was essentially the highest spec device that they put out um, throughout their history, and you know it, it's one of those things where yeah, it's great to have all that stuff there, and it will definitely appeal to people for sure. But you know, it comes down to that enterprise consumer thing again. Do do enterprises need 4K video? Probably not. But um, it's still it's still good to have. I'm kind of wondering if Alex could kind of touch on this because uh, it was revealed on CrackBerry this week. Um, I saw one article that mentioned that the uh, Priv will have 64-bit support, and to me, I'm just thinking of. I don't know too much about it. I know Alex probably knows a lot more about this, but what the actual um, 
frontline impacts to a consumer 64-bit would have. Uh, can you shed some light on that, Alex? Um, I mean, like, from an operating system standpoint, I know that, like, being on 84-bit, you have some limitations for, like, RAM. So if you switch over to 64-bit, the limitation, I think, of, like, 4 gigabytes is brought up and... Obviously, you can do a little bit more having a 64-bit system as opposed to um, 32 or is in the writing is 84 or whatever. I, I I don't know. I know that Apple, a big deal when they came over to 64-bit was, hey, you know, apps and games will be more powerful, but that's only if they implement and utilize the 64-bit, which would be like a whole overhaul of their app and things. And I, I think it's just the way that things are moving um, but I don't think it's really going to be that big of a deal. Like, look at the Windows Phone. The fact that you'll be able to connect it and treat it as if it's a computer. Well, having a 64-bit system, so apps and, and things, and so it can utilize all of the RAM and everything. Like, it's obviously important. But as a mobile phone that has 3 gigabytes of RAM, I really don't... I, I think it's just a normal... Uh, I can't think of, of the word, but it's not an innovation. It's just, like, an evolution kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, it really is kind of the gearing up of these operating systems to deliver kind of like more desktop-level type performance. But again, the apps have to be there to coincide with that experience. And again, as Blaze mentioned, kind of table stakes at this point. <laughs> Who isn't since since L came out on, on this already? I just want to mention, like, um, in regard to the 64-bit, when we posted that up, I included a link to Android Central, and uh, there's a Android Central uh, article which is entitled "Why 64-Bit Processors Really Matter for Android," uh, which is written by Jerry, and Jerry knows his stuff when it comes down to that. So yeah, listen to him instead of me. I do. Yeah, if if you haven't if you haven't had the opportunity to go ahead and read through that, then it's something. Something that I, I fully suggest because you know explaining it in, in simple terms there there really is no possible way to explain it in simple terms you really do need an in depth article to be able to go ahead and and read through to determine whether or not it matters to you it's not something that you can just simply say yeah this is a good thing to have or no this is a bad thing uh, you know you, you got to take take everything under consideration so if you haven't yet just go ahead and read through that article because it, it's in depth but it's done in such a way that it makes it logical and understandable for even normal people like me to understand. Uh, I think you're going to make a John Chen joke. <laughs> no. <laughs> even John Chen could articulate it. <laughs> That's terrible, so, James. That's terrible. <laughs> I know, I'm going to get some tape for this, but uh, Alec, let's pull up the, uh, the BlackBerry uh, safeguard, and we'll, we'll kind of look through. I'm interested in Kind of, the UI is very simple, so I imagine there there might be some more stuff going on. But let me lock it on Alex here. This is yeah, one I mean, of the it's, photos. it's definitely. I mean, they're taking material design cues in terms of just simplicity, spacing. Um, you know, it looks like it could be a Google app. And aside from that, they like for this app. I'm trying to kind of understand how important and useful it is. It's like okay, you are not using. Uh, you know, a password or a screen lock. Um, and it gives you recommendations of how to, you know, more secure your device. For an average user, maybe of an enterprise that really doesn't know that much about technology, I can see this as being like, oh, okay, yeah, so I should probably use a screen lock that isn't pattern because it's not as secure as it could be. 
but for like the general person, is this really giving that much useful information um, for someone that actually understands their phone? Or I guess I'm trying to understand how useful this app is and who it's meant for. I, I would say it's for consumers, actually, because if the phone's going to be on Bez, um, all Bez oh, is like a policy, right? So on MDM, when you're looking at all the devices, basically you get that screen on, like, if you're an administrator, it tells you, oh, the device doesn't have this, that, that, that. So if you don't have a passcode, you're not even able to load your corporate content because you don't have a password on it. So, I mean, what's the point of telling somebody you don't have a passcode and you're not able to have your MDM or your, like, AirWatch or whatever, Best 10 running on it? So it, it seems like it would be for consumer. That's a very interesting observation right now because basically what Safeguard and the whole suite would offer is, is a consumer version of Bez that they can control, you know, and to a very, very small amount of degree, of course, but... We're kind of getting that that gist here. I wonder if in this application you scroll down, there's even more options as well, you know? So the screenshot's cool to see. We see trusted applications, apps that you download from sources other than Google Play Store, or scam, buyer device, or malicious software, as well as developer options to control and modify the device. And discover, I think um, under apps, how apps are using your info. So if, like, let's say information is getting leaked through an app or it's, it's you know, sending out information, it may ping you and tell you, hey... Snapchat, you know, your nudes are not safe, Alex. Bring back. <laughs> You're in the red, bro. Bring it back. I, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that there's more options down below because, honestly, when I look at this, I don't see anything that isn't necessarily already built into Android itself, like yeah. the developer options. That's, you can enable developer options on Android just by tapping on the, uh, on the uh, version number, or sorry, the settings. Um, and screen lock, I mean, yeah, that's kind of cool that it actually has it in there. Maybe it's like the pattern lock on, on BlackBerry 10 as we know it, or maybe it's just a simple reminder that, hey, maybe you should use the pattern lock. Um, trusted well, app yeah. sites, that's already on that's already on our BlackBerry 10 devices through the yep. Android I, runtime. So. And I, I think this app is simply notifying the user. See, the yellow essentially means that it could be better. So obviously, if you have developer options on, on your device, it's going to be less secure because you're essentially opening up a little bit of the root yeah. of your phone. So you, the average person should have developer op, uh, options turned off. So all this is essentially saying is, this is yellow, this could be green by turning it off. I don't even know if, like, you if you click it, it'll probably link you over to turn developer options off. Yeah. But I think all this is doing is just, you know, informing you that you could make your device a little bit more secure. And again, like, for people like us, I really don't think this is going to be that useful information. But someone who really doesn't, you know, my mom or someone who doesn't necessarily know, doesn't even know what developer mode is, but she may have turned it on by accident, and this at least notifies her, hey, you should probably turn it off because it's not as secure having it on. I just hope it's useful and not necessarily like yeah. bloatware because yeah. you know there's that's I guess looking at it from another standpoint it could kind of seem bloatwarey. Yeah, I mean technically like just from everything that we know by looking at this one single image like there's a dozen apps in uh, the Google Play Store that do the exact same thing as this you know mm -hmm. like Trend Micro. Um, ESET has all of those, Norton antivirus, and the majority of Android users at this point in time would say, yeah, that's just nothing but bloatware, how do I remove it? <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I, hope that, I hope that there's more involved with this than, you know, what we're actually seeing here, because it, 
it's cool and all, and I'm sure there are people out there who would like to be able to go ahead and have a quick reference point as to how secure their device is, but to me, I'm not one of those people. I don't necessarily need this app. So, again, I hope that there's more to it. Yeah. Our first episode of Eruption is Hope Springs is Eternal, and we're still here. Waiting. <laughs> still here years later. Uh, it's amusing, and, and I really do think that BlackBerry has like the right intentions, but the execution and the implementation are going to be so pivotal to this device's success. Yeah. Uh, on, on this same leak, okay, we see here the 4K video support at 30 frames per second. I do like the 720 at, what frames per second is that, 280? It's a little pixelated on my end. Uh, it, they're all 30 FPS. Yeah. Yeah. And then 720 at 60 FPS, so you can have either or. And 1080 at 60, which is awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, 1080 at 60, which that's definitely nice. Um, I'm trying to pull this up right here. The actual screen sizes of, say, people who, you know, the Barry Flow site, for instance, because you could pull up and actually see what percentage of people are using what screen sizes, because when you're talking about 4K video, the one thing I kind of dislike is very, very, very few people are even even have a 4K monitor. Um, so, like, creating 4K content really isn't all that useful now, like, at this moment in time. In the future, sure. But then you run into a problem, too, where it's like, okay, even if you, you support 4K video, like, if you have a 4K monitor, well, you need a more powerful computer because, essentially the amount of processing power it takes and, and GPU power that it takes to do one 4K monitor, that's equivalent to, like, three monitors. Yeah, but three Alex... normal monitors, yeah. Alex, that's a chicken-and-the-egg type of argument right there. You need to have content before people actually buy the monitors. <laughs> to, uh, but you, but that, that's, that's what I'm... Why is anybody going to get a monitor unless there's something to watch? It's like, yeah. why am I going to get 4K... TV, unless Netflix has stuff in 4K and then my local broadcaster has stuff in 4K, right? Yeah, like, and I, no, I, I definitely agree. have that first, I, like the recording capabilities before yeah. you have. I you know, agree that there, there are a lot of YouTube producers who are putting out 4K video, but there have been videos also explaining that once you upload the videos, like 4K, a lot of 4K doesn't really make sense on YouTube, at least at the moment in time. And there's some limitations in network and then bandwidth. And then you're talking about, well, it's not just about having a 4K monitor because it's like, so a normal person buys a 4K monitor. Well, you also have to upgrade your computer. So do you want to buy a new GPU because you upgraded your screen? Because that's going to be another three, $400 to get a good enough GPU to run this. So it's not... I, it's it. You need to kind of wait for the prices of these components to go down for the average consumer to be like, yeah, I'll get a 4K monitor. And then there's the argument, well, we have 4K screens on our mobile devices. Yeah, well, we also have really, you know, bad data problems right now in terms of, you know, how how much streaming a 4K video from your phone is going to take a lot of bandwidth, and it's probably going to be lagging a lot or at least buffering a lot. So it's kind of like. 4K is definitely not at a point in time yet where it makes a lot of sense and a lot of very high quality, you know, streamers and video uploaders and stuff like that. Like, they don't necessarily even think 4K makes sense at the moment. So I just, at least me personally, I think 4K is a little bit too 
earlier right now. It's not that big of Look, a deal. It, it really it really doesn't matter because the only reason why 4K is on this device is because of the processor that's used. Snapdragon 808 supports 4K yeah. video, so why not jam it in there and check off that little spec box? There yeah. you go. That's the only reason why it supports 4K video. If you want to yeah. shoot 4K video, cool. If you want to watch 4K video, cool. Whatever. Yeah. If you don't no, want to use it at all, I just feel like exactly it's not it. that this shouldn't even really be that newsworthy. Like there are people posting like, oh, this phone's gonna have 4K. It's like, yeah, all 808 processors for the most part have 4K. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm and saying. Then, like, like, yeah, exactly. It's and then nothing. Yeah, why are you, why are you be, hating on N4VB's headline, bro? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody's um, hating on the headline. Yeah. It's just it's like whatever. It's 4K video. And again, 64-bit support is another one of those things. It's like you; these are things that are almost pretty much expected at, because of the fact that it's using the Snapdragon 808. You know these things are already included based on that information, right? So, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and a quick summary, if you do want to know 64-bit, here's it literally thrown into one slide. So a lot of this is not going to make that much sense to the average person. Larger number of registers, newer instruction set, increased addressable memory space, so like... RAM can be more utilized, cross-platform support, no uh, no modifications for Java language. So, like, it can also utilize the newer processors, processors, I don't know I said processor, processors that are out for mobile devices. So, it's all just about moving forward in terms of, you know, hardware and software integrating together. But will it make my device snappier? That's all I want to know. You know, every update, every phone makes the device snappier. Everything, everything does. It It feels smoother. It feels snappier. Oh, oh, it will feel smoother. (laughs) (laughs) And in the same batch of leaks, we saw further confirmations of the glass weave back return from the devices like the Z30 and as well Schneider Optics there on the back with the dual LED flash. So pretty cool stuff. Just, just to confirm, am I like the only one who isn't necessarily genuinely like excited about the glass weave? Like, yeah, it's cool and it looks cool on the device, but I don't know if you guys. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it, but did you guys read that review from today? Oh, it felt cheap, is what he said about the glass well, weave on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't, I don't. Take a drink, boys. Take a drink. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't agree with that, that it, it feels cheap, but I do agree, like, he made, the reviewer made a comment about it actually, like, feeling rubbery and, like, sticky, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of, like, how I feel about it, because yeah. um, sometimes when, it, it, if you, like, say, for example, you have it in your pocket and it's sitting against your leg or something like that, and, you know, it gets warmed up, it, it starts to feel gummy and sticky at that point in time. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that I, I hate it, it's not, you know, the worst case scenario is just I'm not I'm not really a huge fan like if they would have replaced it with something else okay well, I would have been what, perfectly fine with what it would you what would you specifically like it to be replaced with because if you go the metal route or glass route well you run into problems with NFC passing through and mm-hmm. then wireless charging and, and things yeah 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 I hear you and I feel you on that one but if if Let's just say that they created something like a Moto Maker, and I was able to go ahead and pick my own back for this device. I would totally pick like whatever the backing is that they used on the uh, on the Passport Silver Edition. You know, I would pick that because it it it's 
you know, even though it's still kind of like rubbery, it's grippy and it doesn't it doesn't feel like you know melted gum in my pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, definitely. Um, for those who are curious, what that looks like, it's more of like a dimpled kind of backing. Yeah, I mean, it it all comes down to personal preference, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing that they went with yeah. that, but I agree with the I, reviewer I, when he. I totally said, agree. The the gumminess, the the stickyish feeling, even though it's not. Yeah. I agree with that. Still looks good though. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I'm like I like it. I'm I'm down. Those Z30 fans out there will finally get their their rest. You know, like yes, finally. I'll just I'll just pretend this keyboard doesn't slide out from the bottom, <laughs> and it's an all-touch device. We did have that one other leak as well um, from someone else who also got a hands-on for it, and these pictures aren't anything too special, but this is a hey, nice... Ronel. <laughs> yeah, Ronel. It was me, guys. It was me. Ronel. You slid that in there. Um, the... Show us your hands, Ronel. Let's go see the comparison. <laughs> there it is. Um, there, there is a nice side view of it, and the and the reviewer who or the guy who you know held this device, he said he had a Galaxy Note 5, and he said that the Z or sorry the the uh, Priv is actually thinner than his Galaxy Note 5, and the Galaxy this is Note... Ronel, guys. This is yeah. this is Ronel. I don't know why we're not letting him talk about this. What do you mean, the guy? Why are you trying to protect Ronel's identity? Okay, Ronel said that it was actually thinner than his Galaxy Note 5. And it's actually, I think 7.4 millimeters is what I want to say the Galaxy Note 5 is. So then it's like you have the other review that said, oh, this is thick. Like the most recent review that just came out or kind of hands-on, he's like, it was a thick device and stuff. And it's like 7 point... Th this person confirmed it's thinner than 7.4 millimeters. So we Wait. were thinking it was going to be 8 or 9 millimeters thick. The Galaxy Note 5 is a phablet, right? Yes. Why are we even comparing this to a phablet? Like, no, God the thinness. That this is like thinner than a phablet because it's skinnier okay. and stuff. You know, like it's. So you're saying compare it to like the um, Galaxy like S6. S6. Like, how's it okay. compared to an S6 or an iPhone 6 or something okay. like that? Like, what's the discrepancy there? Because like really, the people who are going to go for the Priv aren't going to be the same people who are going for the that's, no, that's true. Five, in, in my view, personally, because okay, so the Galaxy S6 is six point eight millimeters thin. Um, so we heard that it's thinner than seven point four millimeters. So we're saying it's probably going to be about the same thickness of or as the Galaxy S6. So hearing someone say that it's thick. Just makes me like what you know. They fit a decent battery in it because you said that it lasted somehow 15% battery for two and a half hours screen on time, which I kind of don't really believe that, but whatever. So they obviously put a decent battery in it from what you're saying, and you're and you're saying it's thick. I just I don't understand some of that. Ronell knows thickness, and I trust his judgment. Oh, absolutely. It's gonna be thin. <laughs> but I think whatever. I think people are just surprised that it actually like. When the first pictures came out, everybody was like, oh, that's so thick. And now that we get more and more pictures coming out, everybody's like, oh, wow, it's really actually pretty thin. So it's basically people who've been following along and paying attention to, like, all of the leaks and then noticing that, like, hey, it's not as thick as what we initially first thought. Yeah. And given given the fact that it is a slider, I mean, there's, there's an automatic assumption that a slider is 
pretty much going to be a little bit thicker just due, due to the, the form factor itself, but it really does not look that thick. Honestly, to me, it doesn't look any thicker than like an iPhone 6, but whatever. No. You know what? That screen yeah, looks it, it looks a lot. That screen looks really thin. Yeah, yeah. this is a sleek-looking shot here. Yeah. I, I, have yeah. we uh, have we heard any details on how the glass feels? Like how how sturdy the, the glass on the screen is? Yeah, yeah. nobody nobody has actually covered that. Yeah, but they did say that the quality was there with the with the LG. recent LG four. Is that what he said? LG G four, which mm -hmm. is you know renowned as one of the the better <laughs> screens in smartphone devices. So. In terms you're of pronouncing things so weird tonight, Alex. Am I? Oh, I, dude, I'm a little out of it right now. <laughs> Alex is trying to be all fancy, I think. Right. He's trying to pronounce it. Processor. Right. Processor. Processor. This is blue. Pass the bezel. This is very flow, dude. You don't have to worry about being fancy. <laughs> yeah. We got we got Blaze on here. I mean, right. We're fine. <laughs> I mean, to include yeah, me, you just you just brought your whole damn show down. <laughs> Yeah, you said it, not me. <laughs> I want to go to the comments on Recode because it was Code Mobile, rather. It was such an interesting conversation that you know you have this Blew long interview. Yeah, and it's like you have a half hour worth of dialogue, and when you take bits and pieces out of it, of course the message is going to get kind of tossed and turned in different ways. So obviously he conf he confirmed Priv and the reasons behind it, focusing on security and privacy. But there was a lot of good questions. Uh, you know, if this dev device had launched six months ago and the Priv had some kind of you know vulnerability that Android had faced, be it stage fright or you know heart whatever it might be, but he does mention you know we've crafted this device down to the chip with the pin built in. So that we can validate this is a true, you know, our true device within our network. So again, pretty cool that they are literally taking all the expertise that they had with BlackBerry 10 hardware and bringing that over to Android. So it really it begs the question, you know, what is that long-term viability of BlackBerry 10 is when when you're taking everything that that OS had and, and basically trying to replicate it on another operating system? I mean, if you look at BlackBerry as like a as an overall solution. The OS is such a small component to the overall end-to-end, -end, you know, methodology that they put behind their solutions. So it's really, really going to be interesting if, if they can harden Android and make it something that is accepted in the government's regulated industries as much as you know current BlackBerry 10 devices already are. Do you guys think it'll get there, and do you think it'll get there quickly? Is the question. Hmm. I don't know, it's a good question to ask because, you know, Android isn't necessarily known for its security implementations, that's for damn sure. Um, you know, every every other day there's some sort of new, uh, new report going out about some sort of malware or something like that happening on Android, which kind of makes people wonder, like, why is BlackBerry even bothering with getting into Android? But I think BlackBerry is fully aware of the circumstances, and unlike... Unlike some of the the headlines that get written, some of these these known exploits and such that we we all pay attention to and, and sometimes get scared about aren't are not necessarily as big as what you know the headlines would have you believe. Now I'm not saying that 
it's not important that the headlines don't get written or anything like that and that people are, are fully aware of it, but I don't think, you know, the, 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 the problems are as huge as what some of those stories may necessarily indicate. And I think, I think BlackBerry sees an opportunity there to be able to go ahead and bring, uh, bring forth some of what they have in terms of knowledge in security to be able to go ahead and improve Android and uh, hopefully they'll they'll ultimately work together with Google on a on a larger scale to be able to go ahead and bring that to everybody. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think I think eventually, if if Priv does well and you know BlackBerry is given the opportunity to to work with Google even on a larger scale than what we know they are now, then yeah, maybe maybe they can go ahead and harden Android to the point where it is acceptable in these, uh, you know, higher scale security sectors such as governments and hospitals and so on and so forth. I mean, you know, John Chen pretty much said that that's the goal anyways. He wants to make Android as hard as hard as possible to be able to to be accepted in these organizations. And of course, you know, he wants he wants that sold alongside Bez 12 too. So I don't know. I think um, I think if they put a lot of their, their effort into it and you know the resources that they have remaining left into it. it. It's not it's not outside of the realm of possibility to to have BlackBerry be one of the top names for Android within security and have those government organizations accept it for what it is. I mean, it, obviously nothing nothing is going to happen overnight. You know, nobody's going to wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm going to order ten thousand Privs because John Chen says it's secure. But you know, uh, you know what. He would have had to say that. He 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 almost didn't. <laughs> he compared yeah. himself to Samsung Knox devices and the black phone too. And and it's an interesting conversation. If you go back to the Samsung Knox BlackBerry partnership, the partnership was BlackBerry will help Samsung develop Knox. And in turn, BlackBerry will then help sell Bez twelve. And again, part of that coupling was Samsung devices can be sold alongside Best 12 so that the enterprise sales team can go out, make the sale, regardless of the hardware. And John Chen did make mention in this Code Mobile interview that hardware as a business is not defined by handsets. And if we look at things like the HBox and some of the other IoT-type asset tracking things that they've got cooking and things that they're thinking about, it, it really kind of they may be able to make more money off of hardware in another realm outside of handset. And I think John Chen realizes that, especially as they look at IoT and looking at further solutions for BlackBerry, maybe the handset business stays, and he doesn't... Because he never comes out straight and says, I'm going to shut down the handset business. He said, I'll have to reevaluate what I'm doing there. Yeah. But again, that leaves it open for hardware to evolve into a different realm, and you know, maybe QNX gets involved. Maybe Android you know, has a license proposition for Blackphone or other competitors out there, whatever the case may be. But if BlackBerry can influence the future and growth of these different market mediums, it will entrench themselves in their own future. Because again, if they can influence Google, hey Google, maybe you, you look at what we built with your OS. Maybe on your next OS you add this in or you, you tweak this. And again, they all work together. They can really start increasing the overall connectability of these devices through the enterprise and also to the consumer level as well. I love Renault's point about BlackBerry Safeguard. I hadn't heard it vocalized in such a simple way. 
But with your, your with the admin understanding on the background of Bez 12, that's basically exactly what they're doing. They're giving it to you in the palm of your hands. If you want to use it or not, it's up to you. And I'm sure there'll be notifications and prompts and things like that that you can custom tailor. Like I don't want, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. But do let me know when my data is getting leaked here or there. So question was about BlackBerry 10, and this is probably the most heartbreaking one. Your costs are going to go up maintaining two platforms. Are you committed to BB10 or will it go away if Android does well? And he says, of course. You know, we have these two releases for BlackBerry 10 coming to support government in the high security space. Question was then asked, are there going to be new BlackBerry 10 devices a year or two from now? Well, it's going to be dictated by business choices, and that's like the most political answer we could have gotten from him on that. But it's also true. Like, I mean, it it's funny because you can look at it one of two ways. If the I want to call it the Venice. If the Priv sells well, <laughs> then that proves that BlackBerry. One of two things: they make great devices, um, and it was really the apps that was holding them back. So like Android works well, and they secured it or whatever. So the device sells well. Well, that means that they can now have some money to experiment more with BlackBerry 10. But then the thing too is like, well, obviously Android worked well and it sold a lot of devices, so shouldn't we focus our efforts on Android and devices? Whereas the other route is, say, the BlackBerry Priv sells terribly and they can have to completely abandon the Android route or at least kill off the hardware and everything, well, they're not going to have money to even work on BlackBerry 10 in the first place. So it's kind of, it's a weird scenario that the best case scenario is, this, is that they sell the phone well, but that might also mean that it makes more sense to kill off BlackBerry 10. Worst case scenario is the phone doesn't sell, and they can't afford to even do BlackBerry 10 if they wanted to. So, it's interesting because like, the device doing well doesn't necessarily mean it's secure as BlackBerry 10 either. Yeah. You know? The device no. can sell well for it, but it doesn't mean it's going to be used toward the ends that BlackBerry necessarily wants it to be used for long term. So my thing is BlackBerry has done this to us year over year over year, and I, I sound so pessimistic in saying this. Haters going to hate, whatever. But if you want people to believe in your vision and if you want people to believe in what you have coming – you need to give them a roadmap that is reliable. And if every other year you're switching up your strategy, you're going this way, you're going that way, trying to see what sticks to the wall, your customers are not going to stick with you. They're going to go somewhere else where Samsung has the, the track record, Apple has the track record, whatever. It, it bothers me that they're flip-flopping on the OS at such an early point because what kind of message does that send to your enterprise customers? It's like we don't believe, we don't support that product to OS. You're worth a, a year more of BlackBerry 10 updates and, and what goes beyond there. It's like they're betting the farm on this last attempt of Android and it just sends a, a really bad message at a really bad time. But maybe I'm just overthinking it, right? I'm, I'm too close to the situation and no, I, mean, I really not, hope that is the case. You're not overthinking it and, you know, that's the thing is that you're thinking about it just exactly how you should be thinking about it and that's pretty much how everybody else is thinking about it as well because they see all these different messages coming and to be to be you know sure there's no actual like 110% clear path for John Chen at this point in time because like you said if the android does well maybe they'll go back to blackberry 10 or you know if if the uh, priv doesn't do well maybe they'll exit it, it's kind of like there's no actual clear message there it, the clear message is that we don't we don't necessarily know what's going to happen in the future. It almost seems like that's that's the the message itself. Um, 
And, and, and that's that puts a, the future of the company in the outside of their own hands, and that bothers me. It's like, yeah, tell us what you're doing. That's, defend, that's a tough your path. path you know? yeah, yeah, it's but you a gotta, tough you path. But you gotta get behind yourself. You gotta. If you're gonna put something out there, you're gonna back it up. You gotta, like, walk the walk. You can't just be like, yeah, it's secure Android. Enjoy. You know, you gotta. This is our path. This is what we intend to do with it. Here's what we're gonna do. If it's, you know, like, lay all that out. I just hate how silent it is right now. And that's really been his whole strategy through this transition, to yeah. get as little as possible. You know, I, I want to kind of bring one thing up with the device that I've kind of been thinking about. It's not really anything too crazy, but obviously they've shown the device to an extreme extent. Everyone knows what the device looks like from a hardware perspective, 100%. We know a little bit of the, the, soft, the software and things, yeah. But the one thing is... Well, yeah, we haven't even seen the Contacts app. Like, it's really not that special. <laughs> but we haven't even seen the Contact app. We haven't seen the calendar. We haven't seen, obviously, we have not seen the Hub. Um, so I think, at least personally, I kind of feel like Chen knows, like, obviously the hardware is going to hype some people up, but they need to save something to show off. But it, and, and at the same point as well, if they focus this revealing of the BlackBerry Priv on software, it also shows BlackBerry is a software company. So if they don't spend all this time, like, look how beautiful this phone is, instead of they come out, like, obviously you guys have seen leaks of it and things, but, you know, here it is, and then they focus on software, I think that also really will, you know, show that BlackBerry is a software company. And, like, they're kind of getting the hardware out of the way right now with all these leaks. Or maybe these leaks just happen and whatever, but <laughs> it's a little bit strange that we haven't seen any software shown off, like, whatsoever. Yeah, it's um, kind of... Honestly, it's kind of ridiculous. Done. Somebody, somebody, I and forgive me for not remembering, but somebody was like, "Aren't you, aren't you like getting tired about writing about all these leaks that really are pretty much all the exact same leak?" Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I am getting pretty tired of it. Like, here's another leak. Here's another leak. It doesn't necessarily show anything new. Here's another one. Take a look at this camera yet again. It's like, yeah. come on. Give me something new to work with. But here. I will get my 300 characters in that article. Don't <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which the most recent leaks are actually older. Like it, he had mentioned that it didn't even have the um, that one charging kind of indicator on the side, whereas then from BB leak, which was a lot earlier, has the charging on the side, and it was saying that it was missing a bunch of things. So like this most recent leak, you'd be like, oh, it's gonna be a newer device. No, it's probably actually on older software and probably older hardware hardware or whatever. So these leaks really are getting so You know what, guys? I was going to say, this this software thing, um, the one point that Chen brought up about um, bringing those updates, if there is a security issue, then they're able to patch it through. They don't have to wait for a carrier approval for the OS. When he went to Recode and he said, oh, it's not going to be the most secure. Android is not going to be the BlackBerry version of Android is not going to be the most secure. I think one of the selling points that will come out, and I'm pretty sure if they're smart, they'll do this and they'll say, listen, Android is not the securest, but when something does happen and there is a breach or is there some type of bug that there's a security breach with the OS, we will bring out updates first before other carriers do or before... Um, like Samsung or HTC is able to push out, right? So instead of having to wait a month or two for something like Stage Fright, we're going to push update through our own channel 
And that goes back to James as he was talking about the IoT with cars having to get updates through the air. Mm -hmm. Same thing for the pre. You know, that's 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 software, that's not hardware. I mean that's a pretty viable choice, right? We can't secure it, but we can do our best over everybody else. Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense because he, he said that, you know, they have a mechanism in place to be able to go ahead and push out those updates, unlike some of the other people that are out there these days. Um, what's interesting about that and as much as I hate to dig back into it, is that you know Blackphone sort of works in the exact same way. <laughs> Blackphone has the ability to go ahead and push push their own updates uh, in terms of security updates and stuff like that directly through through their own specific channels. So you know the the priv is going to have the exact same thing, um, and it almost goes back to to the other scenario where where Google Play services. Um, sort of pushes out their own updates on, on pretty much a daily basis as well that people never actually actually see like because it's not it's not totally a software update that requires you to download a totally new software revision or anything like that it's just manual updates that get pushed out through Google Play services so each of these Android vendors have their their own services in place so it's going to be really interesting to see um, I guess, in terms of how fast BlackBerry goes ahead and pushes out an update compared to others, um, you know, I I don't I don't want to see I don't want to see it happen, but it's kind of like one of those things that everybody will have to pay attention to um, eventually. Because let's say, for example, you know, another another let's let's just say for example another stage fright comes out and it's patchable. Over the air by the, the by these Android manufacturers. Okay, so is is Samsung going to push theirs out immediately, or will BlackBerry then have the honor to to basically say, yeah, we pushed it out first at that point, you know, using whatever mechanism it is that they have in place. Like that would be that would be something awesome if, um, if you know some new exploit comes out and the very first mention of it actually being patched is on the proof because of the fact that. BlackBerry decided to go ahead and create their own mechanism for patching these things. That would be awesome to see. And again, it's one of those things that you don't want to have to see. But if they do it, yeah, that's absolutely. Didn't uh, I don't know. I don't remember where I saw this or where I heard this. Didn't uh, Chen say that basically, like the only device that was similar or maybe that could potentially be better than the BlackBerry Android was a Block Phone? Yep. That's yeah, what you that just said. <laughs> yeah, we, we just talked about that, but yes. Yeah. It, it, you, you guys got me thinking about. You know, Brendan was having a nap. So yeah, like I'm just like sleeping on an update. So, but it, you guys got me thinking about BlackBerry's potential as an IoT player to, through their global network, their NOC infrastructure, the network operating centers, to say, hey. Let me put BlackBerry Safeguard on your Android phones. Let me license you my software, and we will do all the security patches for your Android devices and, as a service ad, you know? Because, again, as Blaze just mentioned, if they can go ahead and get ahead of a lot or, or come right behind a lot of these security flaws and work to patch them very quickly, it will establish BlackBerry, as what Alex mentioned, a, a strong software player as well a secure Android partner for OEMs around the world, regardless of your phone. Again, focusing on that cross-platform push that John Chen was talking about, 
in this interview. So, so there's, James, there's some potential, I think, for them to leverage those assets. The way that you're saying, you know, BlackBerry Safeguard being available on all their devices, so like, Chris and James, do you guys think that BlackBerry Safeguard could possibly be like Google Play services like you mentioned, Chris? Or, like, that they could push out updates and have secure patches? Or this is just a standalone program for monitoring? Uh, well, specifically pers- Safeguard was... Yeah, like, go ahead, go ahead, Blaze. Start it off. Now, personally, I think, I think Safeguard is kind of like one of those standalone applications. That's just my own personal opinion. But whatever this mechanism is that John Chen keeps talking about to be able to go ahead and push updates, I think that's really, really relevant in, in the long-term strategy when it comes to their implementation of, of securing Android and making it a little bit harder than everybody else. I think that's important, and there hasn't been a lot of focus placed on that as of yet because it's not visible. Like, you can't see that. Like, you can't show that off in a leak. Whether or not that is actually actually, uh, uh, you know, safeguard at work, if that is a part of safeguard, I really don't know. But in terms of safeguard itself, I think that that's sort of possibly a standalone thing that they just kind of, like, have on the device. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm, I'm not really sold on safeguard as of yet yeah. as being something fully important. James, however, may feel differently, but to me, I, no, I, I, think... I actually to- I totally agree. I think safeguard is all we can really grasp onto in terms of what that mechanism is. Mm. So, and John Chen mentioned it as well in the recode. He's like, there are safeguards in place. Was he talking about BlackBerry safeguard the app? No, probably not. But DTEC, a lot of the stuff we've seen, there are mechanisms in place. We've seen the OTA support for vehicles getting updates. That's that mechanism. You know, this exists already with their network infrastructure. It's can they deliver it to other OEMs on other Android devices and potentially expand their overall? Because again, licensing is something they're really focused on with the BTS, uh, the, the business technology solutions. Uh, group. <laughs> what if BlackBerry? What if BlackBerry came beca- became like QNX is to the automotive industry, a totally behind the scenes for secure Android. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we laugh, but John Chen may be doing some feisty stuff right now, y'all. We don't even I mean, know. That, that would be absolutely amazing to see if, like, every Android device somewhere that that gets produced basically has some sort of BlackBerry connection, whether or not people recognize it in a grand grand scheme of it all or not. But, you know, what if that, that OTA mechanism for patching security is basically powered by BlackBerry and Google decides to go ahead and implement that into Android itself. Yes, and, and again, and if you think about it, we're looking to stem the loss of service access fees, and this is a way to do just that. License into every single Android OS that drops, you know. And again, it's going to take proof of concept. That's proof, and then continued support and partnership with Google, and then again, proof of concept on this mechanism. If they can get ahead of a lot of these exploits, it will better Android as a whole, and it will better BlackBerry as a services software company. So. Again, we're really kind of jumping off there on the ledge, but yeah. <laughs> it would be cool to see them uh, go forward on that. QNX still obviously a huge part of the conversation for them in 60 million vehicles. John Chen made a, a fantastic point mentioning everyone's in connected cars. Like, everyone's got a connected car, but those cars aren't connected to anything, you know? They're connected to your smartphone, and that's about it, you know? He's looking at how can I take the connectability of these cars and extend that. And again, that is the IoT. How can we take these sensors on the car, allow the cars to communicate with one another, the roads, the signs, whatever the case may be, 
and really start developing these platforms that can deliver information and ultimately security, right? Security on the road, security for the driver, security in transit. There's a lot of potential for them to take kind of the core of what they do and extend that to such a broader scope. What I want to do right, right here, because right, Brandon, I know you are on the transportation side of things, so I, yeah, I want to hear yeah. your take. But before we do that, I will hop off of my uh, self-proclaimed uh, uh, blindness here. Hey, y'all. <laughs> anyone, anyone who comments on the... Anyone who comments on the Berry Flow article of this podcast will be eligible to win a BlackBerry hockey stick. This is all the way back from BlackBerry Live. So if you uh, want to play hockey, this is ages six years or older. So you know. am I eligible? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. You play the team. Love, I used to love playing mini sticks when I was a little kid. Uh, I used to me and my friends would just like have a bunch of those mini sticks and just in the basement just like hit around balls at each other. That was so... <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even keep up with that. Right? <laughs> but anyway, comment on the article on the very flow and you will enter to win one of these sticks that has a black beard on it. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going to go back off here and we'll continue our conversation. <laughs> James, I'm going to let you finish but first... Uh, in terms of uh, QNX and auto, um, this isn't directly QNX related, but it's kind of the, the entire transportation connected car type of thing related. I heard that Tesla, they're releasing a firmware update to all their vehicles, um, I think sometime later this month or next month, that will allow their vehicles to drive hands-free on highways. Um, and while that's not directly connected to QNX, it is in the sense that that's the type of stuff that QNX will facilitate on a larger scale uh, over the air. So if a car manufacturer like uh, Volkswagen uh, <laughs> has an issue with like some emissions test program on their car, uh, they could send an update over the air to those vehicles um, and get it resolved, things like that, which, all, it, which is really where QNX is trying to you know, put a lot of their effort um, of course, you always hear about stories here and there about how QNX is, is providing the, the base software for which other companies are, are building uh, automated vehicles um, or self-driving self vehicles. Uh, but really, the main effort for QNX uh, really is in that space, like we're seeing what Tesla is doing, but on a, on a grander scale like that. So for people who think that it's kind of too far off in the future, it's, it's certainly going to happen. Um, and it's certainly going to happen within the next few years. It's not going to be one of these, you know, long-reaching uh, types of things that occurs way out in the future. It's going to happen relatively quickly. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've been working with Ford. who just overtook Microsoft in the car, or QNX rather. And as well, we have been working with Volkswagen. That was actually mentioned during John Chenza. So, again, very prevalent, the conversation we're having right now with the connected car. We're, we're a little bit over time here, guys, but I want to close the conversation here. Talking about BBM, and Alex, this is, where, this is where you come in. Aside from you know showing us all the screenshots of your Snapchat and uh, things like that, <laughs> uh, BBM passes another mobile commerce milestone, servicing one billion ad requests per day. And really, for kind of like an advertisement base like that to really, really work, you need to have a lot of ad requests. So, can you give us some kind of comparisons, Alex? Is this 
one billion ad requests, are they going to make money off of that, or is that kind of just like the, the beginning point for BBM's monetization? Um, it's tough because, like, does it, an ad request, that doesn't count as a click-through. Um, I think that would just count as, I don't know why I can't think you of the word. You open your newsfeed and it just requests the ad to show up in your newsfeed? Yeah, so I don't think it necessarily, like, that person never even, like, looks at it potentially, right? Like, if it, because when it loads your feed, it's going to load larger than the screen is. So if someone just clicks their news feed really quick and it loads in the news feed, it pulls in an ad, doesn't mean that the person even saw the ad. So it's like, well, what is the value in someone not even seeing an ad? And how many people, like, buy into something that you have the potential of someone possibly seeing your ad? Is that a sellable thing? Not it was like, uh, I remember a few months ago when Nemery uh, built his, like, Twitter app or, or Instagram app, and it was like making like a hundred requests uh, for some ad agent, like from some ad service every every minute or so. Um, and so that's an example of where like a, like the service can just be doing ad requests, um, but it doesn't necessarily translate into people viewing those ads, which is. It's an interesting point you brought up, Alex, because I didn't think about it when I first heard about it. I just I was kind of dumb and thinking, oh, that's pretty good. I guess they uh, they got people clicking on it. But now that you actually mention it, uh, it's actually a lot less impressive. <laughs> yeah. No, and and <laughs> you clarified you know, it. I mean, look at Google, for instance, and like uh, we, my company, we advertise for many of our clients in Google AdWords on a daily basis. So if someone clicks your website, then it will charge the person between a dollar and $650 per click or whatever. So it's kind of like I can go in there and it says, hey, you have 150,000 impressions, and that doesn't mean anything because my click-through rate is less than a percent so they ended up from say 150,000 impressions. They made like 50 bucks from us because X amount of that actually clicked through. So saying I have a billion requests, well, if an actual click through is what they're say charging the ad or the you know the person who is paying for the ad, then it really doesn't necessarily mean it's that much money. And a lot of people mention too that when they see that little asterisk, um, the spark a lot of the time they want to clear it, so well, bringing well, them well, into well, the I shop mean, and things. Yeah. Red Light of Love, as we mentioned. Remember when we had yeah. uh, the developer on, Red Light of Love? That's yep. what that spark is from now on. It's called the Red Light of Love. The red Light of Love, <laughs> yep. It's just flat. We're not even talking about the same thing. But whatever. What? Oh, well, yeah, Spark. <laughs> I, I think we like Spark, but whatever. Um, but yeah, like the, the Red like Spark the of Love, James. So, but, it's also talking about experimentation with video ads. Let's get back on topic here. Yeah. Of talking about things in the feed. They're seeing significant interest from brands and media buyers who want to leverage in different types of ad units. So, I think really the message here is that BlackBerry is going to be able to leverage through BBM a channel of monetization through advertisements. The question is really ultimately is there a longevity in the platform for that to be there for them? You know, we have the you know, the sticker club and all these other different additives that are in-app purchases. 
But being able to monetize it on the back end, because it is a free service, I think it's good that there are ads and the ability to take those ads out as well on a paid subscriber basis. The fact that they are charging $1 a month to remove the ads suggests that they are probably at least making that same amount when those ads are there. Interesting see. statistic with that. Um, websites, some, like the New York Times and some of these very large websites, it's actually been shown that they are making about... 50 cents per user per year. So if you say wanted to not have ads, if they actually, and it just shows how screwed up ads are nowadays and how much people are avoiding them. So you're saying if I paid New York Times or one of these, you know, companies 60 cents for the year, you can give me a fully ad-free version of the site, and you're making 10 cents more from me than you would have otherwise. So it's kind of showing realistically where ads kind of are at at this point in time, so obviously we're going through this whole ad scenario right now where Apple's blocking them and, and you know, ad block is growing in numbers and everything, so I get a little bit worried when BlackBerry, you know, if they're really trying to say, you know, ads are, we have so many X amount of billion views of ads and this is great, well, Google's getting a little bit nervous that their entire business is built on ads and they're trying to find a workaround for it. So I think it's kind of a late time to be like, oh, we're just going to be another ads player because social media ads and all these other things just aren't, we're kind of almost in their way out. So it's just a little bit worrisome to me at least. I really thought Alex was going to build this one up for, for BBM, but he just shot it down real hard. <laughs> Classic Alex, Got to be realistic. The only thing that sticks out for me in that report is like pretty much that a lot of people say, well, I don't even see ads on BBM. Right. Well, if you actually step off of the BlackBerry tech platform and use BBM on Android uh, or iOS, that's where you actually see a few more of the ads than on your own on your own BB10 device. Honestly, it doesn't even make sense to buy an ad-free subscription on BB10 because of the fact that there's fewer ads there anyway. Um, but when you when when you switch over to an iOS or Android device, that's where you actually start seeing ads. You start seeing more sponsored invites, and uh, you know you get you get invites to basically download applications and such. And could that be an incentive to say like, do you think they would do kind of the same thing if you bought a BlackBerry Android device and they kind of made it so there are no ads in BBM and such? Would that be an incentive kind of thing, or that just you know unfair? I don't know. If you, if you read through some of Matthew Talbot's articles regarding BBM, I think that the strategy that they have for some of these advertisements is to connect money as a payment transaction to these ads, so that you see something in your ad that you like, and that you can then instantly pay for it. Yeah. And they've already piloted this with BBM money in Indonesia. And again, you have to read through his articles to kind of piece what he's saying together. He's not very direct in what he's saying, but basically he's saying, you know, I can have Amazon push an ad, and if you want it, because your PayPal is already connected, you can buy it right there, and that is where they would probably make more money as opposed to the impressions. Yeah, and they make affiliate money off of the sale as well. Right. Yeah, and the thing with that is, like, something like Pinterest is a really big deal because they just recently introduced that, so you can actually buy directly from Pinterest, but people go on Pinterest to look around for various cool things that they might like, Whereas, what, in your new in your BBM feed, are you really going there to potentially find something cool to buy? Like, it doesn't seem like the right medium, necessarily. It doesn't, but there's been plenty of times when, like, yeah. I've been 
looking through my BBM on somebody's channel or something like that, and they'd be like advertising something that was really cool that I would, you know, potentially like to buy. Like say for example, you know, uh, somebody posted about a new Doctor Who DVD or something like that that I wanted to buy, instead of actually being able to purchase it directly from BBM or through BBM at that point in time, I have to go into the channel, I have to click on the link, open up the website, go to wherever it is that I was purchasing it, so on and so forth. If I could actually just go ahead, if there was like a buy now button in BBM below that post, I think that would be huge. You know, is it is it life changing? No, not really. But you know, it cuts down on the amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. And and Alex, I just sent you a BBM channel for BBM Money. It's the official BBM Money channel with <laughs> almost a million uh, people subscribed. Really? You know, somebody doesn't get accounts. Regardless, the point I'm trying to make is, if you go to the channel, you'll see. It's just a bunch of sales, different items on sale that you can buy through BBM Money. And these are, if you actually do the conversions, these are great sales. And it's food, it's devices, it's all sorts of stuff. So, again, you take that microcosm of what they're doing over in Indonesia, you expand that with PayPal integration and other things. BBM may be a real payment. And, again, security has that underpinning kind of facet there. There may be a lot of potential for them to expand on that kind of instant transaction Blaze just put it out so easily, you know. Too lazy. Don't want to go over there. If it's right there, <laughs> let me just click it, you know. Yeah, I think part of the problem is that they haven't actually expanded beyond, you know, yeah. Indonesia or anything like that. Like North American users don't actually see any of that happening, even though it's pretty huge for them in 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 the Indonesian market and such. Everybody within those regions gets to be able to go ahead and see it and like, hey, they relate that stuff to BBM, they relate that stuff to BlackBerry, whereas, you know, again, in the North American market, we don't see any of that. We just get to hear about the stories from it from, you know, when, whenever they go ahead and they post up some statistics on the inside BlackBerry blog. It's not, it's if it's not in our face, we're not paying attention to it, you know. And, and Alex, I'll say this to you. I mean, how much business do you and I do personally over PayPal? Oh yeah, yeah. Business. So, yeah. if through an intimate messenger, which is BBM, with the security, with the integration, again, assuming they can execute and bring this to a broader scope, which they seem to be doing, and if you read through that post on the Adam Pressure, they actually talk about bringing other payment methods aside from PayPal into the mix as well. I think the the impressions is just showing us. But the traction is there. But there are people that want to put their ads in BBM, and I think that's the mm -hmm. first stage as part of BBM's further monetization. So, really, I mean, if they can leverage it forward like that, imagine, like, just you and I, I could send you a BBM channel or something, like a quick share for something you could buy. And again, just, you could buy it so quickly. With the, yeah. with the intimacy that comes with BBM, I think there's a lot of potential for them to expand on it. Not only just peer-to-peer, -peer, like, hey, I bought you that drink, I bought you that, you know, that coffee or whatever, but really to do services and goods. I know a lot of people overseas in India and in Indonesia as well, who literally run their businesses on BBM, where, again, they communicate with their customers over BBM, they exchange money over BBM, and it is, that's how they do a lot of their profiling and a lot of their business and accounting and things like that. So they can expand that kind of small, colloquialized business mindset to other markets and see if it can get traction. There may be a potential for it to grow. Good foot in the door for them. I am glad that they are talking about BBM and monetization. Because right now it seems almost like like they've been throwing stuff at the wall and like not much is stuck. 
this point. So I'm good, glad good to see that they're going forward with it. Reno, have you ever used BBM for anything aside from like group chats? Like, are you are you into channels a lot right now, or, or you're not really? Uh, I try to keep my channels keep up to date every once in a while. I mean, I didn't really comment on the BBM stuff because nowadays, since I'm on Android now, I'm I just use BBM and get out. Use BBM and get out. And if I'm bored or I want to catch my channels, look at my channels, and that's it. So that's pretty much it. I mean, one thing that BlackBerry could do better is is try to customize their ads so it's a little bit more tailored to users. Because for me, I mean, I pass by all those ads because nothing there. I but care. then they'd have to be Google. Like they would have to start collecting that kind of information in order to get relevant ads. And like, it, and I I totally agree. As much as I don't Even like my information already, being collected, already asks some of that stuff. Yeah, but there's in. there's more. It's about knowing your search history, what you're interested in, how you're spending your time on the internet, and okay. that's like as messed the up as it is. starting I, to make so much sense. And, <laughs> and like I hate advertisements, but a lot, they've done studies, and people actually prefer a relevant advertisement to one that's not relevant. Well, yeah. the only way to get a relevant advertisement is to either tell them what you're interested in. Or let them monitor you, and a lot of people are like, "Well, I don't want to tell them all this information about myself." But that's literally how Google exists as a company. So that, it's, Alex, it's that's, that's so funny that you bring that up because Blaze and I were talking the other day. This is this was a couple weeks ago, and we all like relevant ads, right? But Blaze on CB is getting ads for the Silver Edition Passport. It's like, how relevant <laughs> is it when he owns it already? You know, so it's like. <laughs> Kind of like had 22 to that end, but I would agree. Even Ronell, you posted a, a picture of your your Android device, and there was an ad for. It wasn't an advertisement. It was like a suggested posting, and it showed you a Crackberry forum post, right? Yeah. No, that pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just interesting how like you know people were gonna take it different ways. Some people may appreciate it, some may not. Regardless, I really hope that BBM can continue to go forward. They've been pretty solid on updates. I, I thought that bug fixes and, and performance improvement update on BlackBerry 10 would bring me stuff they promised, but it didn't. So I'm still waiting. <laughs> still yeah. waiting on that uh, that that PayPal integration. Hopefully it'll come. Because I still don't have it. Yeah, I still don't understand that. Like I have it because I'm in Canada, but I don't understand like what the whole beta process was for. Why did you do the beta if you weren't actually going to roll it out? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird, just odd. But we do have a couple questions from our patrons over on the BB Upstream channel. We will get to those, and we will close out here. We have to do, we have to do an after show. We have to do currents recordings, and we, we got a lot of stuff on our plate tonight. I don't know. It's like doing this podcast has started making me feel better in terms of like my nasal cavity, so I'm impressed <laughs> what upstream is capable of. So, I've got a couple questions here. This one's from Nick Co. Sticker Club should include all the BBM emotion stickers, don't you think? I think Sticker Club should include all of the damn stickers. I thought that's what it was going to do. Yeah, like... I, select stickers, you know? I want all of them. Like, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna pay for Sticker Club, then I think it should include, like, all of the stickers that are available. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't. I don't understand the the whole selective portion of it. Like, okay, 
you know, we're going to give you these 10 packs, but you still have to pay for these other 10 packs. I don't, I don't get that. Like, sticker clubs should just be all-inclusive. Like, give me every sticker that I want, and then if I stop paying for it, then take away those stickers. It just seems much more reasonable that way. I mean, obviously, there's some, there's probably some financial side to that that is not visible, but ideally, that's what it would be. Subscribe to Sticker Club, get all the stuff, and there you go. You pay for it monthly, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it makes too much sense. That's the problem. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> we have another question here from Nick as well, asking, what are some of your favorite non Blackberry BBM channels. That was an excellent question. Uh, I really like the GIF exchange. Jesse, shout out. Really like that channel. Love the GIFs. <laughs> there was Sloth Day the other day. I died like all day. You know what it is. Um, that one's awesome. UTB is another non-Blackberry uh, channel that I like <laughs> a lot. Um, <laughs> um, Blaze's channel is actually really, really awesome too. There's some Blackberry-related stuff, but when he when Blaze gets in a mood, he posts some awesome stuff over there. So it's always appreciated. <laughs> every step I take, every move I make. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Um, I, I actually, like, um, there's this nice web design development channel, but there hasn't really been many posts in it lately um, because I, I run the channel, and as no one is really using <laughs> channels, um, oh I have not been updating it a lot. Lately. Are you just trying to plug your own channel right now? No, because I'm telling you I'm not even updating it. So is that really a plug? Um, I'm saying it has potential. If BlackBerry actually put something into BBM channels, I'd gladly update it. But I think that's how a lot of these people are getting. You know, They're updating lower or less and less frequently because if BlackBerry isn't putting effort into it, why not put the effort we're putting into channels instead on something like Twitter or Instagram or you know social networks that they're, you know, really focus focusing on. No doubt. No doubt. You guys have any other channels you guys like? I like uh it doesn't get updated a lot either. Tyler Florence had a bomb channel. I like it seems like I like following individuals on their channel. That's, that's okay. what I see a lot of. I like Mobile Connected. That's another great one for just, you know, all sorts of different mobile news. That was pretty good. JT's got a fun channel when he's on it too. There's one for movies, advertisements, T V shows and documentaries. It's M-A-T-V-D, that one's pretty cool for cinephiles, buy cinephiles, really cool, like, latest trailers and different stuff like that. There's I, I really like one, those ones. There's a good one called Random Shit, um, and here's, like, an example. It's very stupid. It's like, who is that Pokemon? It's Iggy. Like, there's, it's just really stupid, <laughs> stupid stuff, but it's, it's entertaining. Yeah, and, and, and I love it. I love that it's all in BBM. I don't have to leave to go see it. Or go somewhere else. You know, like I didn't even load Twitter for this podcast because I'm just in channels and I'm reading the channel cup. Yeah. That's really it's just so simple and convenient for me, and that's really what I what I do like about channels. And obviously, like the rest of you, wish there was more to it for sure. So we got a couple other questions here from our patron. Let's see what we got next on the list. We talked about some of our channels. <laughs> I'm gonna direct this one at either Brandon or Renault. Do you think there will be a BB10 runtime on Android? So apps from BlackBerry World can be running for after my problem. Why are you laughing, guys? I want an answer. Sorry. I I hope my my if my app can be transferred over, dude. Oh, BlackBerry, do it. I would be so happy. 
You're not going to be happy, Alex. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know. I've already accepted it's not going to happen, but I, I would totally be okay for it. October 28th, 10.3.3 SDK, and yes. Yes, Alex, you will get that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is something that we, we talked about when Playbook, in, in like the first early you know, BB10 phones came about. You have a, an installed base of users on BBOS. Why not build a Java emulator and bring over some of those apps? Some of those apps like Spotify, some of those apps like WordPress, some of those apps like... And I could go on and on about apps that never made it to BlackBerry 10. But again, we never got an emulator for it either. And it's funny because we, we ditched Java, we went to QNX, and now we're going back to Java with Android, which is just a crazy, amusing circle. Would I like a, a BB10 or a, a BlackBerry app emulator on Android? Yeah. Will we get it? Probably not. No. Unfortunately. Ronell, would you echo that sentiment? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> What's one app that you'd, if, Black. let's just assume that it, it became reality? Black? CD's yeah, ready. Black. Dude, Black. web design cheat sheet. No, 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 no. I have a better one, guys. You'll all agree with me. Uh, no, Flow, so we don't have to make an Android version. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon is definitely gonna, gonna do that. <laughs> uh, I would like the, like the world of Pluto Mobile, Clipman. I think it's such an awesome app. I'd love that one over there. There's there's actually a bunch. Uh, it's so funny though. But Factory but Express, like I'd love that on Android. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. Maker, I, I'd love that. I mean, there's actually a lot. So Mike, thank you for that question because it actually brings up a lot, like a lot of good things that maybe I don't want to jump to a print so quickly, you know, maybe I want to sit it out and see if it's really, really worth it for me, personally. I know y'all don't get it, but whatever. Um, we have another question, our last question from Sam. Just wondering if you can speak about how you think BlackBerry plans to patch Android vulnerabilities faster than other smartphone makers. And I think we kind of answered that one already, guys. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah, kind of. Whether it's BlackBerry Safeguard, Detect, whatever it may be, there's definitely going to be some things on there question is, to what degree will BlackBerry be able to jump in it? I, and in the end, yeah, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, no, I think from the simple fact that BlackBerry is a security company, like, if you're talking about, oh, Moto isn't getting patches for the update, like, well, Moto is a device manufacturer. BlackBerry is literally a software security company that makes hardware. So they kind of have this... Like they they kind of have to push them out in a timely manner, whereas you can't really be like Moto has to push security updates out in a timely manner. You could you know exchange Moto with BlackBerry, and that's a true statement. So I think just from the the, the aspect that they are a security software company, that within itself kind of is is telling of that they're gonna have to do it, I guess, and they'll they'll probably hold tight to it or they'll get wrecked. Next time, guys, I want questions about BlackBerry and BlackBerry Experience Suite because where is that? But anyway, I really want to thank our patrons for the questions. We're going to hop on the after show. Check us out on there. For those who do have access to it, we'll be posting it up tomorrow morning. Everyone say goodnight. Good night. Good night. Later. Bye. Go, Jay. Thanks for watching.